El nuevo Crispy Chicken Sandwich de McDonald's es crujiente, tiernito, jugoso. Es pollo en la McDonald's, un mordisco y wow. es el nuevo Crispy Chicken Sandwich. Ordena por anticipado en el app de McDonald's. Para pa, pa, pa. En McDonald's participantes. <risa> You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen. This is episode 440. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And this episode is going to probably be kind of light because there haven't been there hasn't been a lot of news honestly it's it's been stingy <laughs> well we've got justice league ramping up you know it's about to come out so we've had a lot of you know behind the scenes stuff and i'll talk about some of that here because <laughs> news is so sparse yeah but um yeah uh, if you would like to uh hit us up on twitter though dc on screen and uh go like us on facebook or you can call us and Record a voicemail for us. We'll put it on the show. 205-259-6331. And I do want to remind you also that if you really want to help us out, you can pop over to iTunes and leave us a, uh, a positive review if you like us and you want to help us out. I don't know why you'd want to help us out if you didn't like us to some degree. But, you know, no judgment, whatever. If you hate us and you want to help us out, I guess I'll take it. Just a truly generous spirit, and I uh, thank you in advance. All right. Uh, so I guess uh, on to the news. <laughs> the Justice League premiere date has been released. Um, it's going to be November 13th, which is only four days before the movie uh, opens uh, Friday, November 17th. Let's be honest, though. I mean, the movie's going to open before that. You know, it's going to be probably that Thursday. Oh, yeah. It's probably going to really come out the 16th. Yeah. It's, um, I haven't checked, but I'd, I would bet I could buy tickets right now. No, you can't buy tickets right now. Have you tried that? I've looked into it. Okay. Well, remember we it, reported it won't last. Be long. Remember we 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 reported last week that the tickets wouldn't go on sale until October thirtieth. Oh, okay. Yep. Forgot there was a deadline. Yeah. God, it's normally like um, a couple weeks. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Now a lot of people are saying that this is you know this is kind of a big deal because um, the premiere is going to mark the point where the first big wave of critical reviews come out. And that if they're only putting it out like three days ahead of time, that means the movie's bad. You know, it's always the it's always the accusation. Sure, maybe it's true. It also um, this is not looking good. Well, some people are saying it doesn't look good. Um, <laughs> there's Aaron Couch over on Twitter said uh, he now he's the editor of uh, THR's Heat Vision blog, and he says there will be no U.S. junket. No U.S. press junket for Justice League per WB. And people are freaking out. But Umberto Gonzalez points out the U.S. press is flying to London for the premiere. So shut the hell up about it. It's not a, it's not a thing. It means nothing. Um, <laughs> also, uh, driving fans crazy this week. Uh, a lot of different... Um, we should just sort of change... Do you have the hiccups? <laughs> so bad. Suddenly so bad. 
<laughs> I'm going to overwrite you. Keep talking. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're keeping this in. <laughs> I just took a giant sip of water and did it wrong. Right. <laughs> oh, this is staying in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not going to bother cutting it. <laughs> the fan base has been going nuts because um, a lot of different people, including Regal Cinemas and AMC Theaters, um, are saying that Justice League is 121 minutes. That's just over two hours. It's like two two hours and one minute. Um, you know, oh my gosh, you know, it's got to be two and a half hours, three hours. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, no, Zack Snyder film has been under, you know, dude, 300 was tiny. I don't even remember what it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> And it was perfectly fine. It wasn't three hundred. Um, no, yeah. No, it's it's actually one of his, his more applauded works. It, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, like when I when I saw it, I kind of uh, I described it as like, oh man, this is Gladiator two Like I I bought a copy of that movie for my dad and was like, I I know you love Gladiator. Watch this. This is it's like they uh, they went the next level. Do you like it? Yeah, he actually did. Nice. So um, you know, I like Gladiator too. I don't own a copy of that. I don't think. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, Scott uh, over at the Suicide Squad cast did some, some kind of fun stuff this week with that, you know, uh, pointing out movies that were really good that were only 121 minutes long. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and because uh, people are just like, oh, it's too short. Oh, no. What's going to happen? Um, and as I said on Twitter, two hours is perfect. It's long enough for a good narrative, but without the 30 minutes of pinching the tip of your dick to keep the urine in. That's... Um, so... Yeah, I can applaud that kind of thinking. Absolutely, it really is. Uh, there should be a like a temporary catheter for certain certain film lengths. Yeah, I mean, at the like very least, going we have a... to admit that there either needs to be medical instrumentation involved or an intermission, and one's way cheaper than the other. Yeah, quite quite honestly, man, you know, a lot of these comic book movies have been getting so so long that both Marvel and DC is just like, good lord, I don't need two and a half hours of this. I have to pee. Yeah. Like, please let me out to go pee and and eat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do see this much movie. Human type activities. Can you please right. let me stop sitting? And he's you know find structure. Yeah, next I'm a, to you know, other my, at this point miserable people. I'm six four, dude. I'm a tall guy. My legs get cramped. Yeah, I don't want to sit there all day. Yeah, watching the movie. I mean, you're uncomfortable like mo- in a movie by about. I don't know, nine and a half minutes. Yeah, absolutely, I am. You know what they should do? Instead of having seats that like flip up, they should just have couches like futons, yeah. so you can lay just down, every, yeah, like you're at home. Yeah, everyone can, you know, lean on each other if if uh, the mood is right. Yeah, I mean, they can still have the little the little ar- uh, little armrest. I say down. why? I say why? Save the space. Let's let people uh, have a have a real viewing <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, we don't need these barriers. What, were we talking about the thing where, or where in the next few years we expect it to be like once you purchase a, a ticket, you can put in a code on your, you can scan it on your phone, and if you get it to go pee, the movie can come up on your phone while you're peeing. Yes, we were talking about that. Oh, that's such a great idea. Oh, it's fantastic. I want it so much. In that it case, would, yeah, make it long. I don't care. It would make me very happy. Yeah, I mean, you could have a four-hour movie if I could just get up and at least view it on my phone while I walked through. That would be yeah, game-changing. Yeah, absolutely. Or, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you could do it in the lobby, but like, 
Imagine if they moved all the concessions, or half of the concessions, and the bathroom's already back in the house. So you have to already go through concessions and, and buying a ticket to get to the bathroom. At least uh-huh. in the bathrooms, if there was, like, a little set of mini screens. I mean, you could do this on something that's like a 24 by 24 monitor, and it just gave you a small glimpse of the actual movie you were supposed to be watching. Mm-hmm. And then, like, for the few seconds that you're there, you tap on the movie and it expands, and you can see it in the, the whole thing. And, like, you have, like, a set of Wi-Fi headphones that follow you through... Uh, or Bluetooth headphones, really, that follow you through the theater. Yeah. You put those on as part of the viewing experience. It's t- attached to this thing, and you just go. Yeah. So if I go leave the movie at any given point, if I only had that, at least I'd be able to hear what was happening while I have to go pee in the middle of a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be great for smokers. Ah, oh, it'd be a delight for smokers. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, they released this uh, first look at the Flash trailer, yeah, there's a lot of it that uh, is very, very obviously stuff that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, a lot of a lot of detractors are saying is a bad sign because you know we keep seeing the same images and the same stuff again. It's never going to end. They're never going to stop attacking the DC EU. It's not, uh, it's not even think. that. It's just so. you see this kind of thing with you see it with every movie. Yeah, with a, a, a it's like big ticket. Movies. They reach the point. They just don't want to show you anymore. They're yeah. like, oh, no, you need to come see the movie. And then, you know, but because it's the DCEU, people are like, oh, and they just keep showing the same thing over and over again. That means they don't have much. Like, this is really the best part of the movie. Shut up. <sighs> anyway, so I love right. this trailer, though. I, I love this little promotional bit. Uh, we get a little expansion of, of the, uh, you know, it's really cool that you guys seem to do want to do battle, be right, prepared to do battle. I don't really do battle. I just press, I just push people and run away. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and then we we have Batman saying, you know, just save one person. Which one? Don't talk. Don't fight. Get in. Get one out. Well, then what? You'll know. Great. That was fantastic. That that's great. Was that is maybe maybe my favorite moment of everything we've seen. Yeah, honestly, because right? it's it's so Batman, Batman being a mentor. Yeah, Batman just forming the Justice League. What is it you do well? You retrieve. Go retrieve. Don't think. Don't don't act. Don't don't plan. Just just go retrieve. <laughs> Make one person safer than they were when you got there. That's it. Just go be a Boy Scout. That's it. Leave it better than you found it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was it was, uh, it was a wonderful moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's out there. It'll be in the show notes. Oh, not and, to mention um, uh, Ezra Miller's comment oh yeah in the trailer yeah (laughs) Yeah, he he says uh he says that barry allen is criminally excited about being part of the justice league Mm -hmm. i i just think he's talking through barry allen and and that's i think ezra miller is miller is criminally excited to be part of the justice league (laughs) he just kind of put that on barry allen for a second and what's funny is in like the in the in the promotional video that uh, I don't know. You see the, him sitting there with the rest of the the cast, but he's so dorky. Like he's got these ridiculous glasses on. Yeah, everybody else. He's is, all decked out in the flash. Gear. Everyone else is dressed everyone like a else, human being. <laughs> everyone else is dressed, dressed like, an, like, like a human adult. Yeah, he's dressed as like the Flash's <laughs> biggest fan. Yeah, <laughs> I have fallen deeply in love with Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller uh, over the course of this film. Yeah. He looks like, you know, I don't know, one of their brother's little brother, or like one of their friend's little brothers, you know, who may have fallen and hit his head a few times. Possibly. You know? <laughs> At the very least, it's like, 
it's like an excited relative that had to do the interview instead. There were that 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 showed up with a bunch of flash gear. I was like, "Yeah, my brother's the Flash. This is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> but it's him, and anyway. I'm so I, honestly, honest. I'm not being derisive at all. I don't. I don't mean to sound that way. If I am, I, I love his enthusiasm. It makes my heart happy. Yeah, it just does. Absolutely. It was a genuinely me joyful too. experience for me to watch him be so freaking happy about this role. Yeah. So I think they released that as part of Flash Week, and they announced that they're going to do a Wonder Woman in a uh, in a Cyborg Week, looks like, coming up. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm, I assume they'll do one for all of them. Yeah. But, you know, and they seem to, I don't know what that means. They all seem to reference that so, same roundtable conversation where Ezra yeah. Miller was dressed the same as he was in the promo as he was that conversation. Mm-hmm. So this is... Probably something on the DVD, frankly. Yeah. So, uh, Hollywood Spotlight put out a magazine called Meet the Justice League. And the article claimed that uh, Lex Luthor was, well, as the article puts it here, at least intended to be in the film. Um, We don't know how much of his stuff has been cut. You know, a lot of people said that uh, previously that watched test screenings said that he wasn't even in the movie. Um, But... The uh, people on Reddit took images of the magazine and put it up, and it says, While Luthor was imprisoned at the end of Batman v Superman, he's back in Justice League and will assuredly work alongside the movie's primary villain, Steppenwolf. But we have no idea if that's true or if that's just, like, a, a you know, outdated material. Yeah. No, that's going to... That, that remains to be seen. I'd love to see him again. I liked Eisenberg's Luthor. I did. I did. I did. I know it annoyed a lot of people, and I'm sorry, but it was completely original as a take yeah i don't care if it is eisenberg being luthor i don't care that was completely original and a little bit enticing you know and just because uh, just because he has long hair and he was quirky doesn't mean he was jim carrey from batman forever either he just wasn't yeah it wasn't go look at the two performances they were not the same very different very like jim carrey in in a lot of his early career um jim carrey looks like he's at any moment on screen, auditioning to be a sentient flying monkey. <laughs> well, you know, they took the the long hair that Lex had, and they're like, oh, hoo, 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 look at he's, he's Riddler. He's Riddler. I know. Oh, I know. Mm. I, I get it. It's just that... Uh, and most Jim likely Carey because they heard would, somebody else derisively say that. He, he, went, he went pretty far in his... Uh, portrayals of characters early in his career. He's, he's gotten so much more subtle and nuanced... I mean, he could have been that. I mean, shit, man. Forever came out after the Cable Guy, and that was at times in that movie he was very nuanced. Oh yeah, Truman Show, subtle. great. Uh, what was that thing about Truman uh, Show? Was great, yeah. Um, the Majestic. The oh, Majestic. Ma- oh made me shit! Cry. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I just uh, cried tears of cry. Number twenty three was pretty fantastic. Yeah. And that was a Joel Schumacher, guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Who We're knows? blowing your minds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway you know sadly i do like kind of a lot of joel schumacher films I'd have, I'd have to go back and look on that i don't know i feel like i haven't seen mm. the majority of what's out there Mm-hmm. go sniff around man go sniff around yeah well mm. you might be surprised yeah sniff around our corner of the universe for for a minute because <laughs> everything's airing right now uh-huh. Also, let's face so it, I'm, the, I'm not going to stay mm-hmm. home and do that instead of Ragnarok. I'm just not. Sorry. There's there's no chance that's, of me, like... That's fair. Yeah. I'm going to go watch it. That's fair. 
Gonna go watch it. All right. Busy times. This became weird quickly. Just saying, busy times. Oh, right. <laughs> they released the new Justice League banner. They released a couple. One of them um, it's just Cyborg, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Aquaman. And there are some clouds behind them. And uh, you know what? Squadcast talked about this. And I kind of just share Tim's sentiment, man. It He thought it looked like bad Photoshop. I think it looks like bad Photoshop. Um, I think the... I think the blue lightning on Flash looks bad. I think it looks really weird and bad. Uh, Batman looks kind of weird and squished. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know, this actually became a little bit of a thing on, on Twitter between me and Scott of the Squadcast. We were just talking about, like, how much we just kind of miss Drew Struzan, you know, and, and old movie art. With the, um... <laughs> like, the old paintings Yeah, and the stuff. old like, actual paintings. Uh, yeah, I don't want, spray paint, like... Paintbrush. Well, yeah. Well, sometimes um, Drew did some airbrushing stuff. But Airbrush, that sort of way. I mean, I guess he still does. He's still working on the Star Wars stuff. He came out of retirement to do that shit. That and Indy. But, um, yeah, man. I, I just, I'm so, I'm just kind of bummed out. Because both of these banners, and I don't think I sent one of them to you, but one of them is just like a lot of the same rote poses from different promotional materials we've seen. And like that old, that Superman we've been seeing since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure it's not from BVS, honestly. <laughs> Just a pose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, uh, it's just, it's a kind of a bum out, you know, I, and I'll say this, I said it on Twitter. I'll say it here on the show and stand by it. If they paid Alex Ross to paint these posters, like that would be the most amazing thing in the world to me. Like, would, he can do likenesses. I would probably own one of them by now. If all the yeah. all those uh, like team graphics, I'll call them. Uh huh. If all of them had been in Alex Ross, I would own at least one of them by this point. Yeah, like seriously, I have not. I don't think I've bought one poster from any of these movies. Like the last comic book poster movie I bought, like comic book movie poster. I think that's what I said. Mm-hmm. That I bought was um. The, like the Japanese one from the Wolverine, where it looks like, uh, I don't know what you call it. It just looks like calligraphic almost. And, you know, it's just Wolverine. I don't know, but sort of like a very ink blotty type of Wolverine. Oh, I don't okay. know what you call it. I'm not well versed in that type of art, but it. I understand. It looks like Japanese art. <laughs> it, but it's, it, you know, it, it looks like, a, you kind know, of, an like honest a take instead of. Printing almost kind of stuff. Um. I mean, it just looks like they like took a, a paintbrush and painted, you know, like a silhouette of Wolverine on a on a you know piece of uh, papyrus, you know. Oh. It. Um, gotcha. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't look like a big Photoshop, basically. Yeah. It's not like clearly, you know, Wolverine standing in front of a, gl- a green screen and they like played with the lighting and threw a bunch of ninjas around him or some shit. Right. Right. Um. Anyway. Um, yeah, I can see that. But I- yeah, that's. I've I've said this before though with like the I I don't know if you help yourself especially with a big CGI heavy movie uh, like this one and it's not going to be this isn't the biggest CGI heavy movie of the century or anything it's just that even the costumes have a C, CGI component for mm-hmm. probably 70% of what you see I mean two of the characters like Flash and Cyborg alone are extremely dependent and then you get to Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and, and Batman, and it's pretty dependent here and there. Depends on what shot you're doing. Mm. I mean, how many screen sh- or how many uh, set shots did you see of like Henry Cavill walking around 
uh, doing something, and and you know damn well, like, yep, he's got a cape on, but in the scene shot, he doesn't. It like mm-hmm. the capes in particular can really add up on you. So fifty uh, plus percent of any one of these still shots, I would say, are gonna have some kind of CGI integration. And um, yeah, I, I part of me wishes that uh, any of these companies would just stop doing them because I don't think you're gonna get a great representation out of pulling frames sending them to somebody saying combine those frames here's your background and and go i don't think you're going to get a wonderful thing out of that yeah i don't care i I mean it doesn't really i don't i don't think the quality of it matters in in so far as it matters that uh it's kind of a failed project i like to me i think you're better off giving me stills of the movie that are in good working order and just calling it there yeah rather than these like poster shots and you know, this should be on your dorm room wall and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this: if they did a Justice League like Drew Struzan, where it was, it looks like like uh, the Indiana Jones movies, or I mean, everybody knows Drew Struzan. What they well, no, what they don't, but <laughs> they you should. do. If if you don't, you do. They just don't know it. They just don't know they know mm-hmm. it. Um, but you know, if you're alive Star and Wars, remember walking through can, a movie store, you know it. I mean, Angels in the Outfield, um, Back to the Future. <laughs> Star Wars, Indiana Jones. There's a ton of them. Um, there was like a period in the mid '90s. From, if it looked particularly good, probably him. I mean, not even not even for movies either. Go back into the like the '70s, and you'll. I mean, he's doing just ridiculously badass uh, vinyl covers. Like, that's that. where the movie studios found him. Oh no, I remember that. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Like we yeah. had, the, they had the like the like he was working for this rec- like this company that did like uh, paintings for. Uh, vinyl covers, and um, dude walks in like a recruiter from the movie studio. Walk, walks in and he like he's looking at all the work and he goes, "Okay, I want that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy." They're like, "Oh, that's that's all just Drew." <laughs> <laughs> okay, send me that guy. <laughs> and the guy see like talks about like they they did this documentary. The guy talks about it, he's like, "Yeah." So that guy come in and went, "Well, oh, shit, I've just lost Drew." <laughs> Before he even says which ones he likes, he's like, "Eh, well, that was nice while it lasted." <laughs> anyway, oh man. So uh, moving on, moving on. Zack Snyder. If you're not following Zack Snyder on Vero, he's been releasing a lot of behind-the-scenes pictures. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Like the, there's a picture of him uh, standing in front of the Central City sign. It says city limit central city and it's got the population and then there's like another like sign below it that says reduce speed ahead which is kind of fun mm-hmm. um he's got pictures of atlanteans and amazonians preparing for battle he's got um a picture of uh, ray fisher like he he's actually welcoming ray fisher to vero because ray fisher joined vero that's cyborg why not um he had a picture of uh, the amazonian sitting in the batmobile which is a lot of fun and it's just kind of a fun thing to see. One of those things you just never think you would actually... You wouldn't even consider the fact that you would never see that. But, but now we have seen it. <laughs> but then you see it and go, oh, well, that's neat. <laughs> um, he's also got a picture of uh, Julian Lewis Jones. And uh, there's a confirmation here that uh, from Julius, Julian Lewis Jones... Who says so incredibly be uh, so incredibly proud to be part of uh, Justice League? Zack Snyder is a cinematic genius and a lovely fella. 
And uh, it's a picture of him basically as uh, King Atlan. Like he's got the uh, Aquaman suit on. Looks like he's probably he's got the trident. He's got the crown. It's probably going to be from like a flashback. Nice. Um, and there's also uh, there are motion poster uh, motion posters motion posters that they've released of uh, Aquaman and Flash. I don't know what the point of the motion poster is. They look kind of cool online, but I don't know what what I'm doing. I mean, I look forward to paper thin affordable monitors you can hang on the wall, you know, or like <laughs> like LED monitors you can just paste on the wall. The way you can have motion posters and like every poster you like, you can just have every poster you like in like a limited space. You know what I mean? Right. Like they can just cycle through like a wallpaper, but all over. Uh, I especially look forward to that because I'm running out of room, buddy. You're right. <laughs> Now, um, uh, Jason Momoa was talking to Total Film, and um, he was talking about Zack Snyder's daughter's uh, suicide. And he says, when something happens like that, I really couldn't give two shits about the movie. Zack is someone who kind of saved my life. This opportunity to be where I am is all because of him. So if you like Aquaman, you can pretty much thank Zack Snyder instantly, because none of it would have come true if it weren't for him. Um... And then he talked about uh, Zack approaching him for Aquaman. He says, I was in shock because I know what Aquaman originally looked like. Snyder's really liked what I did with... Uh, Snyder really liked what I did with the Game of Thrones, and he really wanted a, uh, someone who's a bit of an outlaw, someone who's an outsider, you know, or half and half. He knew that I was from Hawaii and raised in Iowa. Zack had the idea to put the tattoos everywhere, and everyone wanted him to have a little bit of blonde in the hair. I just wanted him to have the Van Gogh, the Van Gogh green colored eyes, where you kind of get lost in them. You're scared by it, and you're drawn in. We put the contacts in, and I was like, wow, it's kind of scary, but hopefully not too scary. Our costume designer, Michael Wilkinson, is just unbelievable. As far as the armor, it's just gold and green and about 40 pounds of rubber. I don't know what it's made out of, really, but it's heavy. It, just, it looks good. You put it on and just sink right into the character. Nice. Uh, he also says there's a lot of, he says, uh, there's a lot I can identify with because I was born in Hawaii and then raised in Iowa which made me feel like an outcast. Aquaman's half and half. He was not accepted in Atlantis, but also doesn't fit in with the surface world. Um, no, so it, he lives it's, in... It's he li- perfect in a way. It really is. Yeah. He says I, uh, he lives in those tides. He's very defiant and a loner until he meets the team and it becomes his little family. So that's all cool. That is. I like him and Zach's relationship. Yeah. Uh, now this is interesting stuff. J.K. Simmons was talking to Total Film. And uh, he said this. He said, this is the first Justice League movie we hope for, of a few. They're working on scripts for the Batman and for the next Justice League movie, which is new information as far as I'm concerned, as far as the new Justice, the next Justice League movie. Uh, he says, it continues my incarnation of Commissioner Gordon. I don't have a lot to do. I feel like I just dipped my toe in the water of who Commissioner Gordon will be. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that's the first indication that we've actually gotten of another one in the works. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even in development. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so apparently James Wan likes puns. Why not? Well, I mean, I enjoy them. Um, he posted a picture, James Wan being, of course, the director of Aquaman. Mm-hmm. He posted a picture of, um, two crew members carrying a whale with the caption, having a whale of a time. Of course. <laughs> of course. And then, uh, Aquaman wrapped this week, officially, apparently, and, uh, James Wan has announced that they've wrapped it. He says, holy mackerel. You scampy serious. All right, scampy yep. was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it was, but it made me laugh. It's still it's that's still fun. funny, but <laughs> I appreciate he his says, uh, adherence to the form. Yeah. 
He says that that's Respect. finally a principal photography wrap on Aquaman. Thank you to an awesome cast and crew. Um, Jason Momoa officially announced that it wrapped 114 days, um, as did a couple other cast members. Um, I, this is weird. Forget, hmm? like, forgive me if I'm wrong. Was it? Did we report a few weeks ago? Like, yeah, Aquaman rap, and someone got stabbed, and we're like, no, it's not actually the Aquaman rap. Yeah, that was well. We've gone back and forth because they keep saying that it's wrapped, but then it turns out to be like, oh, it's like a wrap party for this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which happens? Apparently, they it just really have does. a damn party every every time anybody leaves. Well, but it, that's true though. Like you work for you work with someone for you know x amount of days straight intimately, and then you 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 want to have some kind of send off, and oh, the the wrap parties come with parentheses, dashes, and. Uh, subtitles honestly all right oh it's a rap party <laughs> just for these two people but one of them will be back next week so it's a rap party for him next week you know that kind of thing yeah all right so uh wwe wrestler uh mada abdel hamid sure yeah um confirmed that he was an aquaman he says, was keeping this under wraps, but since it's all over the news here in Australia, I might as well share. Had an epic time shooting my scene in Aquaman. Pretty cool having a few camels in this scene, being from Egypt and all. <laughs> there, can't, there, there are camels in the scene, I don't, in the shot. I don't understand. He says, we are wrapping up down here in beautiful co- uh, Gold Coast, Australia. It was such an amazing experience. The last seven months down here have been just incredible. We had a hell of a group going to miss everyone. Yeah, don't know what he was doing. Mm-mm. Don't know what he was doing. And the Total Film has also released a new image of Aquaman swim, uh, swimming. Uh, I don't know. It looks pretty dope. Actually makes me excited for to, to see it in uh, in action, you know? Yeah, I saw that one. Looks pretty smooth. It is, it is definitely not just Jason Momoa with a blue background and a couple of, you know, bubbles coming up. Yeah. Drawn on the side or anything. Yeah. It does not look like Super Friends. <laughs> it... Yeah, it it looked supernatural in the way it's supposed to look. Yeah, that's uh, David F. Sandberg. Hmm? Yeah, that's that's just the rough part to me about underwater. I'm always really annoyed by underwater because like it's supposed to look like someone who can breathe there, and it's hard to do. It you no know, most of the time when you shoot underwater, it looks like someone who's there for a second and might die. <laughs> It's really hard yeah. to get like a cavalier, confident shot of someone being underwater without bubbles. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of my greatest hopes is that the next couple of Aquaman installations have have that kind of look. And the 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 recent trailers look pretty good in that capacity. For Justice League, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope they have the little bubbles around the eyes. Why around the eyes? Um, because when people go underwater and open their eyes, they have little bubbles around their eyes. Oh, they do, don't they? Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of why everything, like, shrinks in on you and it becomes all blurry all of a sudden. Mm. I can deal with that. Also, for a being like him, I could deal with it if that wasn't a thing he had to deal with. You can see that. I don't know. If he had some kind of, um, airtight... Anti-bubble repellent? Well, like an airtight eyelid. (laughs) Yeah. Down to some, uh, oh God, uh, God-fearing amount of pressure per square inch. Yeah, just be like a Vulcan thing, like third inner eyelid or something. Yeah. No, there's um, a lot of people that have that like second 
eyelid, the one that comes in from the side. Like it, dogs even have it to some extent. I don't know if Aquaman should. I haven't seen any indication that he does. So I, I think he just has pretty damn good water vision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever that amounts so to. Da- <laughs> David F. Sandberg went over to Reddit and uh, revealed that he is aiming for April 2019 release on Shazam. Cool. That's exciting. Um, That's something so to work with. We should be getting Shazam around the same time we get the second season of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what that was. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I don't know. Oh, Patty Jenkins was talking about some fan theories, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of the fan theories have said that uh, Steve Trevor could still be alive because he was bathing in, you know, essentially that, you know, he took the bath, you know, early on in the in Wonder Woman. Sure. And a lot of people are saying it's like a Lazarus pit or something. No. Or uh, he's like uh, mysticized or whatever. And <laughs> he's not really dead. I say solid um, no, but go ahead. And Patty Jenkins says, well, I've gotten bad news for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, probably Negative. not, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a solid no. Uh, she also answered a theory about... Um, you know, like uh, when Diana couldn't hear what uh, Steve Trevor was saying to her before he ran off and sacrificed himself. And um, a lot of people saying that, like, oh, well, the the second time we actually hear what he says, that's just for the audience. She still doesn't know what he says. Uh, Patty Jenkins said, nope, that's not what happened. She says, when you're in shock, you're in a car accident, and I've actually had this happen to me when someone starts saying a bunch of stuff to you, and you're like, wait, what? And then later you realize what the person was trying to say to you. That's very much how that scene was. Later she puts back together what he was saying and realizes the meaning of it, so she does hear him say it. And there's that. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, she also... Yeah, and that's what I thought that was happening. Is, uh, that's one I of those things where like, if anyone thinks that, oh, no, that's not possible. Humans are better at recounting what just happened than that. Please let me know that you think that. Write me in, and I'll I'll point you in the right direction. We're not. Yeah, we're just not. Oh, uh, let's see. What was the other thing? Oh, uh, a fan theorized that um, with the power that she unleashed on uh, on Themyscira and then later on uh, Ares is uh, because of her magic bracers. And Patty Jenkins says, you know. She's wearing bracers like everybody is. It is Diana who is the god internally hitting a state of mind that makes her capable to send out the shockwave through the bracelets, not the bracelets themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. Just reiterating that Diana is a god. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's it for the news there on uh, on the TV film. Or sorry, not on the TV side, the film <laughs> side. We do have some feedback. Uh, J. Scott St. Clair says, Justice League has received an MPAA rating of PG-13. Not really a huge surprise. Do you think the film could have existed or and or succeeded without any other rating? I think you're real PG not, completely out, if we're doing comparisons. Yeah, if we're going to do any kind of violence, they're going to make it PG-13. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think PG obviously is the, the component down, and you just that's outright gone. Uh, yeah. And then rated... R obviously is the component up, and yeah, I, I that's just I think where we are in the industry right now is you want it to be PG thirteen for a reason. Yeah, I mean it's still that way, but you know Deadpool opened a lot of doors. Sure, but 
Um, and honestly, Justice League is such a big property. I think they would only probably lose 150 to 200 million by making it R instead of PG-13. I don't know what poss- what they could possibly gain there. Um, but also these days it seems, and by the way, it's still the case that we don't know what the real rating system is. Like, oh, it's it's very subjective. I mean, there's that I mean, there's that uh, documentary. Subjective. This film has not yet been rated or something. Yeah. Um, I've referenced this on the show before. Um, but yeah, like nobody knows who these people are. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, who knows, man? Who knows? Like. You know, like the most the ratings are subjective. They really just are. The ratings, how you get rated, where you land on it, is kind of like you you. It's a Chinese box, man. Like you you send information into the hole, and what what happens, what comes out of it is is translated, and you don't know why or how, but that's the information you got. It's um, yeah. Same time, PG thirteen seems to make the most sense to them because. The important part yeah. is how it appears to the audience, like how it appears to someone well, who has yeah. a fourteen-year-old and says, "Well, I'll take a close look at this before I send my thirteen-year-old." Well, yeah. Here's the thing: ratings have gotten, I feel like, a little more outlandish, and than they used to be. Like a lot of people who worry about the ratings, who actually worry about the ratings online, that I find are people from the old school. Like I, I you know, I've got ten. Or not ten, uh, you know, six or seven Star Trek movies on my on my uh, shelf that range from G rated to PG. Uh, yeah. Oh no. And you know, you can throw some blood or whatever into that, but you know, they're G rated or PG rated, and then First Contact comes along as PG thirteen, and suddenly people are pissed because you know they can't take their kids to see a Star Trek movie. Well, there's nothing really in First Contact that's really much different than the others. It's just that you know the sensibilities changed. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, even still staying in the same staying in the same franchise, a lot of people are like, "Oh, Star Trek Discovery is uh, TV mature. This bullshit. I can't show it to my kids. I don't feel comfortable." Mm-hmm. Well, that's because they had some mangled. They had some like warp signature thing. Like you know, the ship had like a. Uh, they did like a warp test, and everybody wound up mangled and gross. Right. And people, they just decided that was TV mature. And I was like, yeah, you guys got to calm down on the rating thing. You know, it's not a big deal. And then they turn around and drop the first two F-bombs of the franchise ever. And I went, well, carry on, people complaining. <laughs> 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 Look, it's it's um, it's part of a system where, <laughs> let's put it this way, uh, the, the ongoing definition by the Supreme Court about whether something is pornographic is, let me take a look. <laughs> That's it. That's where we are, and that's our judicial system. Imagine. I mean, but can you really? System. Can you? Can you really blame them? I mean, what person isn't gonna just keep that rating, that system in check? You know. I, I honestly, I don't like, know how to. Yeah. I don't know how to describe oh. that metric. Like, is is this funny and not porn? I, 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 like, I could, I could bring up a a number of examples to to make that sound silly or not silly. But the fact is. The Supreme Court, of all people, came up and just said, "Yeah, let me look at it, and we'll see what happens." But how do you regulate art? That's really all ratings well, are. Is a, is they're trying to regulate art? I think that's the the. It's kind of like the the brother or sister motion of this is we know with porn. Eh, I need to take a look. So over when art, can, okay, it, hold we on. Know it's can be... we can we 
can we move away from using the phrase brother and sister motion when we're talking about porn? We can. Do you have a uh, – w- Thank would you. Would you like to interject on that or uh, should I come up with the interjection? Just don't ever say it again. We'll pretend you didn't say it. Just go – keep going. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So uh, <clears throat> we're going to bury that. <laughs> I rate this podcast R so in a, for brother and sister motion. <laughs> and here's the funny part. I can't I don't know if I can get better than just saying in a related manner. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. But in, in any case, like if that's the standard in the Supreme Court. Well, how do you how do uh-huh. you do any better in in rating something PG-13? Well, it is because I saw it that way. It is uh-huh. it is just a body of people describing a thing. That's it. A body of people describing mm-hmm. a thing. I mean, there are tales of them, like, literally just sending the same movie back and, you know, getting in. They're like, oh, so it's NC-17. They, like, just take it and send it back to them, resubmit it, and say, okay, we've made some changes. All right, well, we can make it R then. Yeah. No, it's... Nothing changed. It's so subjective, it's painful. I honestly think... Um, <clears throat> here's my honest take on it, uh, on just how this works in Hollywood at the moment. You can have, uh, short of... Some sort of uh, political misdemeanor that you have <laughs> put on yourself, short of actually pissing somebody off, I think you can have a movie that can be on the edge of PG-13 or R, or on the edge of PG-13 and P, or PG, and mm-hmm. you're, you're just like a couple of seconds of a scene away from making it work. You just, like, it's not even that you're. It's not you have to please the PG-13 community, and then they go, well, it's PG-13. Therefore, if you intend to uh, put an ad in front of this, well, you're beholden to this rating that I gave it. It's not even that clear. It's the ads talk to the people, the, 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 the ad buyers talk to the people that are actually rating it, and then the people that are rating it talk to the people that are making it, and then the people that are making it talk to the people that are rating it. Like it, It's it's mm-hmm. an absurd fucking system, man. They should just do away with the rating system altogether because, I mean, like, I mean I'm mean, i in Alabama. You're in Alabama. I've got people on my Facebook. I will see it like, well, I went to see take so-and-so, I take my child to see this movie, and it said it was PG-13, but there was a side titty in it. That should have been R. How about we just do away with the rating system? There, There are websites out there, whether they be, you know, Christian or not, whatever, that meticulously break down every quote-unquote naughty thing in the movie, from violence to nudity to drug use, whatever. Absolutely, they have it all. They have it all listed. And how about parents be actually conscientious for a change and stop relying on some arbitrary freaking rating? No, you've and just look into what might be in in a movie. You've got to view it before you actually. (laughs) You can't trust any of these things. I've yeah no. I, I cannot count how many times I've seen someone be offended that something was rated, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? And then they saw it and blah, 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 blah. Just... All the rating has now become is just an excuse for the studio to freak out and make the filmmaker change their, their film. I, I, I do. I, I think that's a lot of it is... Um... It is the Rotten Tomatoes of of uh, yeah the of institutionalized morality. Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> As the Rotten Tomatoes isn't trying to be institutionalized. Uh, 
binary bullshit. Anyway, moving on. Please Maybe message that us your question. if you want a longer explanation <laughs> of that, but I'll be happy to give it to you as will Dave. Anyway, yeah. So maybe that answered your question, Jay Scott. I don't, I'm not sure that we we actually answered the question. I, I often wonder. I think it would succeed. Circumlocute long enough that we answered the damn thing. I think if it honestly, I think if it was if it's PG, it's going to lose money. If it's R, it's going to lose money. So best to have it PG-13 because either adults aren't taking it seriously, or uh, you know, adults aren't taking their kids to see it. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line but, actually as well. Um, PG thirteen gets you into the eighteen to forty nine, mm-hmm. because the assumption is that everyone gets there and no one takes it. Like when when people when the average person sees R or anything above it, mm-hmm. God forbid. Um, when the average person sees R, they they question, should I show this? Uh, when the average person sees PG, they think, well, I don't want to go to that. So if you're talking yeah. about your average. You know, dad on a Friday night, what do you want to see? And they see, like, PG Justice League. Our Justice League. Their choices are like, okay, that sounds lame. Because, uh-huh. it, think about the time we're talking about now. They they think, well, that feels that feels very super friends. Versus, yeah. um, not sure I need to see an R Justice League. PG-13 is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. If, Absolutely. If you're a... An average father, you take your kid to it, you you see PG-13 on that, you just go, yep, that, that fits. Let's do it. I mean, based on what I see on Twitter and stuff, you know, even some of the fans that aren't fathers mm-hmm. are like over there going like, why is it, why is it R-rated? Batman doesn't have sex. Batman's supposed to be like me. Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We'll leave the uh, subtext of that unaddressed. <laughs> um. <laughs> Moving right along to Jordan Valdez at BatfanJordanV. On Twitter says, Finally got to the episode with my voicemail. Figured we'd eventually have to agree to disagree on Dark Knight Rises. Absolutely, sure. buddy. Thanks for shouting out my podcast. You are very welcome. Yep. Honestly, that, we, we love a good talk. That's all there is. Yeah, we're, you know. Ooh, gosh. Dizzy. I've, um, never, been, I've never been, like, pissed that we disagreed with yeah. someone. Just, you know. Yeah, no. Why would we be? I mean, there are, you know, plenty of people who do that. Like, you're an idiot. You don't understand. Like, all right. Whatever, man. I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. Wish I did. No, I have I have an <laughs> ongoing policy. Any single thing that I did not enjoy, if you can make me enjoy it, bless you. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to win points by going like, hey, but that scene where he, like, you know, the cops chase him in that alley and he had the bat waiting there. That was pretty cool, right? I'm like, absolutely. That was the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. No one's arguing that. Anyway. Uh, we're going to get into some DC TV stuff, and, uh, if you haven't caught, been, if you're not caught up with the DC TV stuff, you might want to not listen. In that case, you can hit us up on Twitter, DC on screen. You can, uh, go like us on Facebook. <laughs> you all right, man? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Just making sure, you know, don't want our listeners to hear me callously talking over your hacking and they think, why does Dave not care that Jason's dying? <laughs> <coughs> what, what happened? 
is that water can be pretty destructive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Even yeah. even to one's own I've heard uh, that. <clears throat> water intake system, also mm-hmm. known as mouth. Right. So uh, esophageal system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that turned on to me for a second. Yeah. There, but, uh, I think I beat it for now. Right. <laughs> we'll see. And if you guys want to leave us, if you guys want to leave us a voicemail. If you just hear some coughs far off, that means I ran away from the mic and just coughed into that instead. Right. If you want to leave us a voicemail, 205-259-6331, and uh, we'll play you on the on the show. We'll respond to you in kind. Uh, if, you haven't li- if, if you're not listening to us, uh, keep some DC on your screen. Now let's pop over to DC TV News, and we're going to get a little spoilery on that. Uh, but not too spoilery because, and look, we've got some feedback for this week on, on, on TV, but we're not getting to it because Jason and I aren't caught up on the TV shows. So, There's uh, as predicted, the, uh, the recent scheduling has been pretty tough to actually keep up with, um, the way our week is scheduled out. Mm -hmm. Also, we anticipated some stuff that was happening that was going to like coincide with actual airings. Mm Mm-hmm. There's some background stuff happening. It's not just a matter of like us getting home every night thinking, "Oh, I should just go watch that." Like, the, there's other stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Supergirl. We have some news about Rain's powers. Andrew Kreisberg was asked about what Rain's power set would be. Some have assumed they would be the same as Kara, since they're both Kryptonian. He responds, "You'll definitely see some surprises. Hopefully, it's not straight up what people are expecting. As always, we've got a couple of really nice twists and turns." He also says, we tend not to do direct adaptations of the comic books. No kidding, buddy. <laughs> we take a bit of an idea and work it through our imaginations, which are quite shallow. And something no. new comes out on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That one's a cheap shot, and I'll call uh, you on it. All right. Fair enough. Kind of. <laughs> on the plan for establishing... I'll give you the kind of... <laughs> all right. Now. On the plan for... Us... <laughs> On the plan for establishing Rain as a nemesis, as much as Kara is on a journey, Samantha is on a journey too, and it gets just as much scream, screen time as Kara's does. Or do, did you really mean to say scream time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about screen time, but investment, that part works for me. And uh, yeah, honestly, the, the big takeaway from for me, and they've been talking about this for a while, is like we're gonna really we're gonna really do this. Is I want to use the word investment. Uh huh. And ROI, like okay, they're saying they're going to invest hugely in this Samantha character and her reveal. It's not even her reveal. They've they've you... told you who she is. It's just they're gonna yeah, they're gonna yeah, do absolutely. like this slow burn over over the whole thing, Are... and and that's great. And I I kind of it would be really cool if they did that. They they turned in on themselves. Now we're like it's not just some person she runs across or anything. It's like. We're going to spend as much time developing Kara this season as we do Samantha. That sounds actually pretty fantastic. But... Are you caught up on Supergirl at all? No. I'm one episode behind. Okay. Well, yeah, they they did a lot of that work in the last episode, and I'm digging it. Awesome. Because I am caught up on Supergirl. Awesome. I mean, actually, as of right now, I'm not. That was really my only... (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, as of six minutes ago. Yeah, as of six minutes ago, you're two episodes behind, and I'm one episode behind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's where we watch these. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm, like, rectifying tomorrow night, but it's still, uh, I've been catching up. 
So that was that sounded really cool. I I like the idea of them developing at like developing uh, developing both those characters along the same lines, but like let's see where they go differently. That sounds great. But I do the return on investment here. The ROI has to be great. Mm-hmm. It just does. That could be one of those where um, I I I gotta respect it, man. It, like going in that hard on a character, I have to respect that. Yeah, absolutely. I just really hope it works out well. Yeah, and I'm pretty encouraged by your uh, your comment there. Yeah, so far so good. I think like I'm I'm digging her character so yeah. far. I mean, full disclosure for me as a person. Um, that was what I was doing tomorrow night was catching up on, I, I personally did not have a chance to do any of the CW shows last week. Like, yeah, I, uh, I've been so busy that like I caught up on the FX shows last week and then didn't have a chance to catch up on the CW shows. And then that's what I was planning literally tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, yeah, I'm liking what they're doing so far on her and, um, what I'm saying I would is say I'll, I'm emotionally I'll be invested. with Dave tomorrow to either <laughs> bitch yeah. about or enjoy this episode together. Absolutely. Um, over to Flash, Gypsy is apparently not going to be in the crossover. Uh, actress Jessica Camancho uh, said that she won't be there because of her schedule. She says, I'm not going to be able to take part in that. It's such a bummer. It's going to be interesting to come back and find out everything that has transpired. Where was Gypsy? What was she doing? What has she been busy with? There's a lot I don't know. I'll be excited to fill in those gaps. I'm bummed about that. I like Gypsy. I do like her. I even like that the actress knows that that should be a like a writing gap. <laughs> what uh-huh. were you doing? The hell were you up to? <laughs> we had a thing happening. Yeah, I always enjoy that. that. Doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean the writers do. It doesn't. But I always appreciate when the actor or actress knows. <laughs> like, yeah, that that should be a thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I haven't caught up on this, but I'm aware of the spoiler. I'm aware of what happened, um, as is Jason. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, Oliver stopped being Green Arrow on the show and he handed it over to Diggle. EW asked Stephen Amell whether he thought his character would be suiting up as Green Arrow again. He says no. Look, I remember one season of 24 when Jack Bauer had been taken prisoner. Jack was in China. They're like, well, how long of this season is Jack going to be in China for? And the producers were like, he's landing like six minutes after it starts. The show is the show. Our show's the show, but that doesn't mean that we can't surprise people. If he suits back up again, it doesn't matter. Sorry, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's going to go back to the status quo. Um, he also says, I'll, I'll give it to Diggle. I don't give it to him with a heavy heart. I give it to him with a full heart. I give it to him expecting him to be able to handle it. I like the idea that I give it to him because the city needs a green arrow. The green arrow can be more than one person. The green arrow is a symbol and his team is a symbol. The fact that we are pushing Star City in the right direction is something that is important to me because I don't want the city to get destroyed every year because then what's the point of what we're doing? We're a team of vigilantes that are the definition of insanity. Um... <laughs> Because we're just doing things over and over again and hoping for a different result. Obviously, I don't know what's going to go on with Diggle, but I give it up, and there's a lot of angst, and there's not a lot of angst. So that's pretty interesting, man. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. I don't buy that Oliver will not be the Green Arrow by in, in two or three episodes. I just don't buy it. No, despite his insistence that this matters, of course we have to think. Yeah, we'll be back here. Yeah, I I, I give it a mid-season finale before. We're, oh, we're back. It, well, doesn't have to be for the crossover. That could. Oh yeah, there is the crossover. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm pretty sure I saw Oliver in costume for that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. We'll have to see where that goes. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do like his, um, I don't know, I, I, I like his insistence that things don't always have to be the way you expect them to be. Yeah. I do like that. I even and love I hope his, it's, uh, true. it's Einstein's definition of insanity, where like expect, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. Which I love for many reasons. Um, my favorite is that like that's part of quantum theory is like things have a different result every now and then. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so I love this because on this new on the last episode of Arrow, Oliver Queen while doing like a little press meeting was like you know they could Photoshop Bruce Wayne's head onto Oliver uh, onto uh, Green Arrow's body. Has anyone checked? That's a good point. Has anyone checked Gotham? Is Bruce Wayne still in Gotham? Mm-hmm. And uh, responding to that, Fox's Gotham <laughs> responded on Twitter saying Bruce Wayne is sti- was still in hashtag Gotham last we checked. <laughs> <laughs> Little bat emoji at the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was good. That was that, that was pretty laugh. solid. <laughs> Because it was all, it's like playful, but it's also a little bit of a, like, screw you, don't name drop our, our person. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got this guy. Don't even try. Don't you start pulling him over into Arrow. Yep. He's in hashtag Gotham. Yeah. And then I uh, saw at least three different uh, websites list, <laughs> like list 11 different times Bruce Wayne has been mentioned in the Arrowverse. Well, he already was. Oh, he's he's been brought up. That that's yeah. yeah. He's around in some capacity. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, uh, Terry Beatty, the co-creator of Wild Dog, is uh, pretty pissed off <laughs> about the uh, current representation of his character on Arrow. Poor guy. He vented his uh, frustrations on Facebook. Uh, mainly the new costume is what he has an issue with. He says, This change erases any trace of the original Collins Beatty concept for the character. I would not be surprised if his name gets changed before too long as well. Whatever was unique about his, quote, street-level costume has been replaced with the current standard-issued dark-armored uniform, a generic third Imperial Guard from the left death bloodstroke strike image big gun look. That's my Sigh, favorite part I will, Yeah. I will tip my hat to Rick Gonzalez, who I feel has done a fine job in the role and has a strong screen presence. I wish him luck in going forward with this and whatever else he has he does down the line. Like that just went from like, I mean, I, I feel him because if they change the name, they no longer have to pay him. I assume, mm, you know, just slowly the name? weeding. Yeah, like uh, you know how like. Uh, like Marvel stopped calling, uh, he later like renamed the the Cable book into sure. like you know something else because they didn't want to have to pay Rob Liefeld for Cable anymore. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> whatever. I don't know how. It, I mean, the, the contracts are always a little different, so you know. But no, yeah. Who knows? All right, so uh, Arrow has a new title card now. Instead of just the uh, familiar Arrowhead, each member of Team Arrow has an emblem. I'm down with that. That's cool. Yep. Um. Now Kevin Smith was uh, was <laughs> so was talking to Screen Rant. Screen Rant uh, talked about how awesome it would be to see Onomatopoeia on the show, and uh, Smith says, "You and me both. I've been saying it for years, but Arrow, they don't care. 
I guess it's Mark Guggenheim. He doesn't care. I talked to him once after a Paley, uh, sorry, at the panel at the Paley Center. I was the moderator for the Paley Center CW panel at the Hollywood and Highland Complex. And so afterwards, I was talking to Mark, and I was like, hey, man, fans keep saying they want me to direct an episode. I would love that. I would love Green Arrow. Uh, sorry, I wrote Green Arrow. Uh, and um, he says, um, he talk, he says Guggenheim knows that uh, the fans want that. And he says, uh, Guggenheim told him, yeah, you know, Arrow is very dark. Legends would be good for you. <laughs> That makes just... so much sense. I, this tracks, though. No. Like, Look at Red State and tell me he can't do Arrow. It's not that he can't it's do Arrow. Out. It's that he like balked at Arrow early on. And then got That's offended. That's exactly what it is. It, it got offended by the EPs uh, kind of mentioning him. Because uh, he has done some, some Green Arrow... Uh, I mean, come on. He revived the Green Arrow in a lot of ways and the, the actual comic book sales. I mean, he, he was absolutely very important here. Mm-hmm. This is not to in any way diminish his role. He was very important. But mm-hmm. um, he did kind of call them out as, I don't know if I can do that. And, well, yeah, I can see this being the relationship that that kind of needs the most healing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember he was offended that they, you know, didn't talk to him or something, and then he mentioned that he would like to do it, and then they just never said anything, so he was like, screw them, I'm not even going to watch their show, and... He <laughs> has watched whole back their and show, forth. that's what it amounts to. Oh, he, he did, though, he eventually did, after the Jay Muse got him stuck on the Flash. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Muse was the, uh, the link. Yeah. So, uh, Beast Boy has been cast. Uh, the live-action Teen Titans has a Beast Boy. Ryan Potter of Big Hero 6 is going to be playing uh, Gar Logan. And, um, you know, as a refresher, he is cast alongside Britton Thwaites as Dick Grayson. Tegan Croft as Raven. And a die-up as Starfire. And Alan Richardson as Hawk. And Minka Kelly as Dove. This They are fleshing this shit out. And I'm kind of starting to get excited. Starting to feel a little bit. Yeah, I like Ryan. I like Ryan Potter. I was I was kind of in the Ryan Potter for Tim Drake camp. No, it's a good cast for Beast Boy, actually. It is. It is a good cast for Beast, like it. for Beast Boy. I'm down. Um, so I'm not sure what to make of this. Um, but more CWDC TV is apparently in development in the form of Project 13. Uh, Deegan Freakland, or Freakland, uh, previously the showrunner of Sci-Fi's Bitten will head up the project with Elizabeth Banks and Max Handelman, uh, producing through their company, Brownstone Productions. The show is going to feature Tracy 13, a 20-something forensic scientist who begins to exhibit paranormally-based powers. She reaches out to her estranged father, Dr. Terrence 13, who is skeptical of such forces. Together they investigate paranormal cases and explore Tracy's emerging powers. Assuming the show moves forward in production... It would be an hour-long addition to the CW's lineup. No indications yet that it will be connected to the CW's other TV show, other DC TV shows. Um, that sounds dope, dude. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to do with it. I. I, I don't have a huge. Uh, a huge memory of uh, Project Thirteen or Tracy Thirteen uh, in my memory. I, I remember her uh, floating around from time to time in different uh, iterations back in the day. Uh, that actually that, I mean about may 10 years be ago. a really good uh, summary. I remember her floating around in, in iterations. 
Yeah. I remember wearing this black is not underwear. Like a major kinda... character by any stretch. <laughs> I remember her doing some paranormal shit in black underwear. That's what I really remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she has paired with Constantine from time to time. Um, she's, well, I she's bet she has. Several people. <laughs> I'd like a list of all the people who've wink paired with Constantine in the comics. Right. Right. No, I don't really know. <laughs> no, honestly, she. Um... Man's dashing. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> part of how he builds it. Petty dabbler, my ass. Mm-hmm. I, anyway. Yeah, he. Um, <laughs> I. There, there's no indication from what's being presented now that it will ever include anything that's uh, happening in the CW verse. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I like Matt Ryan in particular. We've got what we got right now. Let's focus mm-hmm. on that. That that is what it is. Also, this show is in production. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. See, there were a few people uh, annoyed by the news because they thought, "Oh, that rules out the Matt Ryan Constantine adaptation." It doesn't necessarily. That's probably not going to happen anyway. The man's busy. It's really probably not going to happen. But it this doesn't rule it out. No, this wouldn't. If anything, this is an indication that they're willing to, you know... Branch out? You know, uh, yeah, like, thrust the shaft deeper into the comic book community. You know, a couple of years ago, we had CW guy Mark Pedowitz, what is that, isn't that his name? Saying, like, oh, we're not going to do Supergirl because, yeah, we're not going to do more. And, mm-hmm. you know, the CBS is like, we don't want Supergirl anymore. They're like, oh, we'll take her back. <laughs> Let's do Black mm-hmm. Lightning as well. Right. They're just kind of like... They're the network that keeps saying, we don't want any more kids, but then, you know, going, eh, let's let's adopt one more. Just one more. No, they... they so, you know. They went through a transition where I, 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 I there was a portion of their programming that did this, and they thought, well, we don't want to push that too far. And then I, I think they've maybe hit a point where they're asking themselves, well, how far can we push this? Yeah. See, you know, personally... I think they're making a grave mistake. I've said this over and over again. They need to put the kibosh on Legends of Tomorrow as it exists right now and do like straight up Brave and the Bold. Every episode of this could be a potential backdoor pilot. Do an anthology series where every episode is a different group of characters. Absolutely good. That's what I want. That's what I want. Send all the characters from Legends of Tomorrow back to their respective shows, back to the Flash and Arrow whatever, and then get your ass on onto Brave and the Bold. Just backdoor pilot that shit up. Yeah. Anyway. I would tend to uh, agree We got a ratings... One. Yeah. We got a <laughs> ratings update here. Uh, a little footnote from our last news episode. We talked about the premiere numbers being down almost across the board. Uh, our buddy Randall Smith sent us an article from Cosmic Book News that points out that 42 and 48 shows that have premiered this... Uh, sorry, 42 of 48 shows that have premiered this fall were down from their previous numbers. Uh, though I'll note, nowhere near the extent of Supergirl's 55% drop. Mm. But um looks like everything's kind of down across the board. It is um, down across anyway. the board, and that's still same day plus same life. Like, it, yeah. there's wiggle room. Yeah, there's wiggle room, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of uh, Smallville trivia we have uh, in the upcoming... Oh, sorry, in the upcoming, I wish. In yeah. the episode... No, I don't. What, I'm glad the Smallville's over. What the hell am I talking about? 
I like Smallville, but damn, we didn't need it for that long. But in the episode Homecoming, which aired on October 15th of 2010, Clark, assisted by Brainiac 5, heads to the future to sort out some emotions and save the day. That day happened to be this past week, since the show's future date was October 15th, 2017. So, congratulations, we all now feel old, and uh, we can move along with our day. Slowly, if you so choose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alan Burnett was talking about some of the uh, unproduced Batman the Animated Series episodes. Um, he revealed uh, a Dracula Batman episode, uh, where Batman becomes a freaking vampire, which they were like, absolutely not. Fox Kids was just like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Um... There was one called... This is intriguing, and oh, I would they, love to see uh, this. Hmm? I think it was Tim mentioned bloodletting as a thing that was like... <laughs> on, on tap, if you will, as... Yeah. That's not going to go. Which is different. When when the show went to WB as the new Batman Adventures, Like you would see people with blood coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Um, is the trickle down the side are. kind of thing? Yeah. Yep. Uh, now this one sounds pretty interesting to me. There was one called Silent Night, a story with no dialogue, and I would love to see that. But the one that I love the yes. most was called Gun Story. Here's Alan Burnett talking about that. He says, the only show that we never could really produce was that script about the gun that killed Bruce's parents. That was just a little bit too much. We had a script, which was called, I think, The Gun Story, and it begins with the creation of the gun... And it follows the gun through several people who use it. And finally getting to the person who killed the Waynes. And then it ends up getting melted down. And when you think, when you put that imagery in your head with like the aesthetic of the animated series. With how they, oh my god, I want that episode so much. Oh yeah, no, I, I can freely imagine that episode in a way that just the incident of it getting melted down. <laughs> it, I had feelings about just that idea. Yeah. Just imagine the aesthetic of the animated series and the gun starting getting melted down. And as a placeholder in your head, just put throw in like the music from Feet of Clay. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, oh my gosh. Or even just that the, would be the upbeat amazing. nature of manufacturers. Producing a gun. You know, just, just a bunch of people doing their job, making a gun. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that kind of, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, upbeat manufacturing uh, culminating in smelting. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my gosh. I just had a really cool idea. Go for it. What if we see it get made? It's GCPD issue. Oh, that's already and someone's, a nice twist. And, and someone steals it off of Gordon. Oh, that would be a nice <laughs> twist. Or even better, Bullock. <laughs> he would be too young, but... <laughs> no, you know be fun? Is like, Bullock is... Uh... Oh, that'd be fun. Do two tangential stories where uh, Bullock is supposed to be the head of Gotham. Like, his career is tracking to that. But his uh -huh. gun suddenly goes missing and it becomes part of a hope like a high profile profile crime whereas gordon pretty much uh shows up on like his you know year one storyline uh -huh. where like he shows up as the main guy who's supposed to be you know the the cop against cops and uh you have like bullock who 
his gun goes to one of the most infamous crimes in Gotham's history, really. Recorded yeah. history, at least. And it ends his reign as maybe the, the next best cop. But That's great. Gordon comes in and uh, those two have to kind of make a, make way for each other. Yeah, I can see it. I can do with that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, um, apparently uh, Tim Burton's Superman almost got animated. Oh, I heard about that. The Batman vs. Two-Face co-creator uh, Michael Jelinek was talking to uh, was talking at the New York Comic Con and said, uh, I had a big pitch and they took it seriously for a second to do Tim Burton's Superman to do that animated. Nick Cage would do it, a reporter says, and Jelinek says, oh, he absolutely would do it. <laughs> I oh want to see that, I'll be honest. Alright. I want to see that. Uh, I'd watch it. Um, all right, I really so they, would take um, his voice. His voice is an okay Superman. Yeah. I mean, they should draw it like him. Like, I would want Tim Burton to come in and, do, and be a consultant on it, at least. I would like them to thicken his chin. Nah, man, let's actually do Let's do it as well as we can. Tim Burton's Superman, from the storyboards he had. I want to see that movie, for real. All right. Make him look like Nick Cage. Make him look like Nick Cage. Roll with it. Anyway. Uh, they released the arcade version of Injustice now. Uh, it's apparently exclusive to Dave and Buster's. It is family friendly, which means they have put orange tips on the guns in the game. How lame is that? Um, Lobo doesn't flip the bird anymore. And it's a port of the mobile game. There are no, jo- there are no joysticks on the arcade machine. I don't know how to process that sentence. Right? Just buttons. Um... Just buttons where you execute attacks. That's what it is. Uh, Apparently, one of the cool, really cool things. Twenty-five years ago, with the Ninja Turtles. Right. I mean, they had joysticks, though. They did. They actually did have joysticks. You're right. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. I'm right. (laughs) Sorry. Shit. All right. Sorry. I I had a little. I I, I had a little light. I saw a little light flicker that said, "My little Dave, you're being a dick." Light flicker, and I went, "Oh." That's funny. Oh, no. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I played the hell out of that Ninja Turtles game, though. For real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but. I paid a lot of dollars, uh, though. Yeah, apparently, though, when you play, you get these, uh, there, are u- there are 200 unique cards that you can collect. Like, the game, the, the machine gives you cards after you play, after each session. And they have the uh, they have various heroes from the game. You know, like Harley Quinn and, uh, you know, everyone, even Static Shock, you know. Sure. The Flash, you know, a bunch of different people. There are RFID cards, uh, and they're available in bronze, silver, and gold. And um, we don't know why they are, why they exist, but uh, apparently there's a possibility that Dave and Busters might roll out some kind of exclusive uh, redemption prizes for the cards. Why not? Um but, you know, no word on that yet. So, that's the thing that exists. And uh, that's it for the news. That's it. That's all I got. I I don't have anything to add. I feel like that. I feel like that's it. All right. Well, guys, gals, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we will be back next week, I imagine. Unless something terrible befalls us or there's just so little news that we actually decide to call it. I am throwing that option on the table after this week. Ooh, but um, happened. <laughs> but uh, we do we do hang out on Twitter. You can hit us up DC on screen. 
you can like us on Facebook. Send us a message. We'll talk at you. And uh, <laughs> you can you can voicemail us. You can send us a voicemail. 205-259-6331. You will be uh, played on the podcast. Um, I, you know, I, I won't lie. I do miss the Witter women. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, whatever. Uh, as evidence, as that is the evidence of, you can create a character if you like. Do a voice. Do something fun. But uh, we're going to take off for the week and uh, probably go catch up on our DC TV shows, honestly. So, uh, until next time, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David Z. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band Future Elevators can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Eli Ophelders of Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud and can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're a proud member of the Giant Size Team-Up Network, GiantSizeTeamUp.com DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. <laughs>